Firecrackers, it's Naomi, and welcome to the Firecracker Department. How's everybody's week going? And how are you bringing people together? I feel like that's, I feel like that's my jam right now. You know, like, when this all went down with COVID, I thought, what, what can I do? I remember Jan Arden saying, whatever you do, do that to help people. Whatever your skill is, whatever your gifts are, do that to help people. And I know one of my superpowers are bringing people together. So that's kind of what I brung into action doing. And last week we did this really cool thing called the dust off. And this version of it is under the umbrella of music theater. It all came from this conversation I was having with my pal, Stephanie Gorin, who's this casting director in Toronto. If there's a show that you love, like Fargo or Anne with an E or music theater in the city, she's probably responsible for it. So I asked her what she missed the most right now and she said, I just miss connecting with actors. I miss watching tapes. First of all, I love a casting director that misses that because that would make my head explode. And so I suggested, what about like a mock audition where people can send in their tapes and then you can look at it and give like a panel feedback. She pulled this amazing panel together, including Noreen Weibel, vocal coach and accompanist, an amazing human being, and a Melissa O'Neill Canadian Idol winner, and who you'll also know from The Rookie. And it was just this beautiful event that not only served every singer because they got this really positive, you know, helpful suggestions that this panel gave. So. I don't know, I cried a bunch. We posted it on our Facebook page. You can go back and watch it. As I said, I wept a bunch and the only thing I had around was um, a pair of track pants on the floor. So that's what I used as my hanky. Anyway, so I just love, I love folks coming together to do what they do. Big shout out to AJ Edmonds, who not only has a voice like an angel, she's one of our core gals and she also produced the whole thing. And Anna Gustafson, who heads up the comedy department and steps in when you need her the most in so many different capacities. And then of course, the one and only Sydney Nielsen, who just steps in and not only adds like loving and kind, supportive comments, but funny. This gal is funny and she's producing this podcast, so she's not going to edit that part out, I betcha. Producers know, while editing this podcast, Sydney, me, wanted to edit all that out, but decided to leave it in to encourage everyone, including myself, to get better at accepting compliments. So I decided to add, apparently, more of me into this podcast, which is going to end now. Back to you, Snickers. So thank you again to all the folks that participated in the dust off. Thank you to the people that commented and uh, wrote in about how much they loved it. Keep those comments coming because it sure does keep us engaged with you, our community, and we love ya. All right, to our guest. Our guest today is Helen Zuckerman. Helen is the artistic director and co-founder of the Toronto Jewish Film Festival, TJFF. Helen credits Jeremy Abissira, who is the director of operations, and also Debbie Werner, who is executive director, for having the brilliant vision and foresight to move the first half of this year's TJFF online. And they were one of the first festivals to do this pivot online. That's amazing, which they announced at the beginning of April. It's incredible. The online festival goes live May 30th and it runs until June 7th. So make sure you go and support them because you know what? They could have easily said, you know what? We're not going to do this festival this year. We're going to take a year off. But no, they dove in and they brought it to you online. So make sure you follow them. TJFF Grams. That's at TJFF Grams and keep up with the festival's programming, get your virtual cinema tickets, and then also check out their existing catalog uh, of JFlix available year round. It's an amazing festival. Helen's an incredible person, and it's available all across Canada. 
She also runs the Zuckerman Family Foundation with her daughters Aviva and Yona and oh my gosh she has so many funny awesome stories. She is like a true firecracker. I could have talked to her for hours. She had so many great stories and she's just such a vibrant person. I mean you're gonna fall in love with her because I certainly did. So here she is my conversation with Helen Zuckerman. How are you doing? I'm great. Hi, Helen. This Hi. is so amazing. I'm telling you, style. You've got style even on a Zoom call, Helen. Uh, who, who, me? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. my hair, <laughs> my grandchildren have never seen me with this color hair, nor this length of hair. It, it's, uh, it's amazing, actually. I think I'm, I'm going to leave it brown. <laughs> it's great. I'm getting ready to cut mine. I'm like... I'm just about to tie it into pigtails and just lop that, it off. Yeah, that's what I usually do. I put it into pigtails when I walk my dog in the morning with my hat on, you know. You're amazing. Well, uh, it's uh, amazing times. What can I tell you? Indeed. It's, it's yes. a pleasure to talk to somebody other than staff. Yes. Staff the festival. And putting this thing together, we've been on Zoom like five hours a day. I find it exhausting. Actually. Yeah. You know, it's different because I was talking to somebody. We've been teaching improv classes oh, yeah. over zoom and the difference is that when you're in the room with somebody you give and take energy right, right? whereas zoom it's kind of not possible like you it's still satisfying because you can connect with people but there's like this lacking of energy that that uh, and there's no break when you're doing this the stuff in the office you know you talk and then somebody leaves and they come back and there's just no break it's intense and people are talking over each other and oh my goodness yeah, it's but a lot. I learned a lot, I'll tell you, technically. Me too. What a learning curve I've been on. Yeah. yeah. Which is exciting. I didn't know I could, I mean, I knew I could still learn things, but I didn't know I'd want to still learn things. And I'm well, having that, a good time. That, do I really want to go to another house party? Really not. I yeah. <laughs> not Even your party. social calendar is like through the roof. I know. Anyway, it, these are very fascinating and scary times. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of your work ethics because I know that um, I know what it takes to start a festival. Oh it's been 20, 28 years of the festival. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. longevity. And then, and then to pivot your brain and go, no, it's not a year to take off because of COVID. It's actually a year to get smarter and pivot and go online. Yeah. I'm in awe of that kind of. Well, how did your how did your brain wrap yourself? wrap itself around that you know what there are a couple of things um first of all we had done so much curating we had looked at hundreds of films and and we had chosen them and made deals with the distributors and to see it go down the drain was was kind of really useless and disappointing and we our festival has always been known to be like innovative like we will play controversial films that other jewish film festivals won't play Right. and other festivals oh yeah like, what, one, like which ones Helen? well some the middle east usually you know our our community is fairly conservative and we will play a film if it's a good film and if it's a little bit controversial we don't have a problem with that because i always say if we're not yelled at by one person at every festival we're not doing our job <laughs> so, uh, do you feel okay with being yelled at my heart breaks yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really, because you know what, they, they, I, I talk to them, they, they will call like, we, 
my funniest call was a woman who calls once. We were playing in, uh, we decided to do something in Thornhill. And one of the films we played, we were going to play was called Amy's Orgasm. Okay. okay. So it was listed as Amy's O. So I get a phone call one day from a woman and she says to me, um, you know, I'm really offended by, by this film. I said, have you seen it? She says, no, but you know, my friend told me. I said, uh, she says, we people out here are not like you people downtown. Wow. <laughs> I've used that line over and over again. Wow. So I said, well, you know, does your daughter watch the news at six o'clock? Or she says, yes. I said, so you're okay with her seeing people killed in wars across the world, but the word orgasm sort of offends you. She said, well, because she, I had to explain to her what it was. Because <laughs> so, she hadn't even seen it. Yeah. So I said, you know, and we get calls like that from people who, uh, who, um, Wait, did you have to explain to her what an orgasm was or well, what the film was about? I, I think we left it at that. And I said, <laughs> no, I, you know what? What these people don't understand when they call you about controversial stuff, like another call, I can't believe you're playing blah, blah film. I said, yeah. oh, did you? I always ask, did you see it? No, but my friend told me that it's anti-Israel. I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a couple of tickets for free. You can come and see the film. And we don't tie you to your chair. You can leave whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, no, I'm not coming because <laughs> if I come, it means I'm giving you permission to show the film. And I said, well, I'm really sorry because you're probably missing. And I said, come and talk to the filmmaker. I didn't yeah. make the film. If you have a problem with it, you shouldn't be playing those films. Right. And that's a different story. You know, so, so, um, so you'd worked hard, you'd worked too hard by now to give up on your festival. You had to put it online. Yeah. You've and gone the, through those phone calls. We just had to do it. And, yeah. and we wanted to try it because we thought we could reach a new audience possibly. Yeah. And um, we've all, we also have a JFlix thing. I don't know if you know about I JFlix. know. I saw that. I'm so, this is, I'm just so in awe of your innovation and your lack of weariness. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Where do you we'll get that it. from? I we'll mean, try it. we'll try it. What's the worst that'll happen? It won't work. It won't work. But that attitude, who, who taught you that? You know, it's a good question. I don't know. But my, my parents were very uh, ahead of their time, I think. My parents were immigrants. They yeah. were immigrants. Yeah. But, but they were ahead of their time. And not only that, it was always... Um, they weren't really judgmental of other people, you yeah. know, to each his own. My father used to say that a lot, to each his own. So I always thought, you know, I've never been a conformist. I've always sort of been outside the circle, um, happily. Yeah. Um, and I thought, what's the worst that'll happen? It won't, you know, it won't work. So when our 25th anniversary came about, we thought, you know, another party, the same people yeah. with a different dress on. I mean, really. Uh -huh. So we chose, we started with 25 films that had played at our festival. Because what happens with these films, unfortunately, is the filmmakers put their everything into it. They max out their visa cards. They yeah. borrow money from everybody they know. Yeah. And they make this film and it plays the circuit, the festival circuit for a year or two. And then it sits on a shelf. That's right. And every time we would have a meeting at our office, I'd look at this wall. We had like 1,500 films up there. Yeah. And I'd say, this is 
really a shame because some of them are still current. So we, we decided instead of a, a big party, we were gonna put 25 films up on a JFlix, films for free, films that had played at our festival. So we got in touch with some of the filmmakers, some of them asked for a little bit of money, some of them didn't. They were thrilled because you gave new life to their film. That's exciting. So grown. We now have over a hundred films. No. And especially now everybody's in the house. Everybody's yeah. sort of, so, so people are watching it. So it's always, we've always been, and I've, our, people that work at the festival are really, um, anything goes kind of thing. We'll have a discussion about something and we'll come up with an idea as great. And one of our, one of our uh, members always says, this may be a crazy idea, but I said, okay, say it anyway. And yeah. if you'll be the judge of that, if that's crazy or not. So, um, uh, so we decided to go online. What, what's the worst that'll happen? It won't work. But already it is because you're already supporting filmmakers, you know, there's something about saying like we value the work that you've done so much that we're not going to give up on you. Like that's well, a real. I had an inquiry yesterday by somebody who got an email. She said, how come you're one of the few festivals that's charging? I said, well, we're charging for it because we've paid screening fees. We're playing streaming fees. Mm -hmm. We're trying to support filmmakers work where some of our, uh, uh proceeds you have an option to donate three dollars to one of the two two food banks i said and we really want to go ahead and reward people for what they've done mm -hmm. so it and it's 12 i think it's 12 dollars. you can have if this ever lifts and you can have guests but it's a household ticket so as many people are in your household can watch it yeah it's a giant experiment what can i tell you but are you nervous at all or is this just like what's the um, worst going to happen attitude I'm not nervous. I hope it works out to our benefit. I hope we get new people. And yeah. I'm hoping that next year, because this year it's really blocked for the GTA. And I must tell you, the distributors and filmmakers were so supportive. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we're all the artists are like, where do we create? Exactly. You know, because by really... next year, there'll be a whole new slew of films and mm -hmm. their films will be old news. That's right. So, um, we think that next year though we're going to uh, ask permission to do ontario because right mm -hmm. now it's the gta gotcha but we can go to ontario and reach out to people who live in small towns who never get to see these films love know? that yeah. i love that so much when you were starting the festival did you did you sit down and say okay this is how i want it to run i know my mandate we're going to support jewish fi uh, films and creators but this is how i want to lead do you remember thinking along that lines? Because you you seem to lead with such, um, I don't know what the word like with heart and with playfulness, that it's it must be infectious within your office. There were three of us who start who founded it. You know, Deborah Plotkin was the first uh, director. She she passed away unfortunately, and then the Bronfman and myself. It's a longer story, but when I was a kid growing up, time. okay, when I was a kid growing up in Montreal, I don't know if you know, you weren't allowed to go to movies till you were sixteen. Did you know that? Um, not even kid movies? No, you couldn't go to movies. When you, you have kid movies, but they were very rare. Right. Okay. Now, the reason for that was there had been a fire in the 40s or 50s in one of the theaters, and some kids were killed. They were trampled to death. So instead of making the theater safer, I think they thought adults are disposable. We'll just, we'll just, you know, kids on fire. Right. So it also went. 
So, you know, it was, but we all knew which theaters were easy to get into when we were right. 12 and 13 and we'd yes. call each other and we knew who was on duty at what theater. So there was always this uh, mystery about film that I loved. And then when my father, during the summer, when we would go up to a summer place, he would bring a, a camera, like a projector with silent films and we'd sit oh. outside and we'd watch. Fantastic. I had this stuff about films. So then when, um, my husband passed away and we started this family foundation. I was <laughs> a family wedding and somebody said, I'm a filmmaker and so-and-so told me I should talk to you. I said, oh, this is going to cost me money. I can feel that already. And she told me about a film she was doing and we decided to participate. And then we found out that San Francisco Jewish was about, is about a year or two older than ours. It was going to be playing there. So the film that we funded. So we went to, to see it. Yeah. And we look around and it's at the Castro Theater, which is a 1100 seat old, beautiful old venue. And I look around and I say, all these people are coming to see a Jewish film festival. I can't believe it. I don't, they weren't all Jews. I said, how come Toronto doesn't have, you know, a Jewish film festival? So I came back and Helga Stephenson, I don't know if you know her. Seems familiar, yeah. Yeah, she was running TIFF at that time. Okay, yes. So I had a meeting with her and I said, Helga, what do you think about a Jewish film festival? She says, of course, Helga, yes, yes, yes. I said, um, she said, I think you'd have a great market for it. I said, she said there had been a couple of other attempts to do it, but there was a, um, a money issue. And as you know, the arts are very low on everybody's totem pole. They don't really think. So we, um, I run a, a private family foundation, my daughter's. Yeah. So we had to make application to CRA for permission to do this because right. it's a public thing. So we did. And the first time they turned us down because they said um, they were afraid we were going to make money. So, after oh, don't worry, we're not going to make laughing. I said, I don't think so. So, my lawyer reapplied and he used the word um, social, you know, uh, education and uh, for the public and all the rest of it. So, they gave us permission to do it and we, we, uh, we did it. And we actually made a deal with the Blur Cinema before I had permission. No oh kidding. God. Oh my God. Are we was that the three of you then? The three founders? You sat together and were like, okay, here's the plan? Two of us. And we said, this is what we're going to do. And then, I, so, oh, so then we went to see the Euclid Theater. Hussein Amarshi was running. He remembers this. No, the it, it was, was called the, um, it was called uh, Metro. Maybe? Metro Theater? I used to work at the theater on Euclid at that movie oh, cinema well, before it was a Starbucks. Oh my God. Yeah. So we went to see the Euclid Theater and it was small. And we thought, oh, you know, uh, actually Deborah, the, the, the director, um, she said, you know, you put as much work into a small theater as a large theater. Why don't we look at a bigger theater? We said, okay. So we went and we saw the Bloor. And at that time, the Bloor had like 850 seats. Yeah. And we decided to take it. And it was just the two of us. And after we went out and we had a couple of drinks. Yeah. God. <laughs> How are we going to see 850 people? Yeah. So we said, ah, maybe we'll block up the balcony. I don't know what we'll do. 
So not like, were you, were you sweating? Were you like, that's a no, big no, step. No, I, I thought it was a big adventure. I mean, I really thought oh. it would be great. Yes. No, I'm not great. I didn't know how it was going to be, but I thought this is a really good adventure. Finally, you know, film, I get to do film that I like to do. So we, we did that and um, it took off the first, just like that. It took off the first night we we were trying to be fiscally responsible so we um only rented the theater for one uh, screening at seven o'clock unbeknownst to us and to them uh, about three days before we were supposed to screen at seven o'clock they had misprogrammed and the film that they had wasn't going to be out till seven twenty. Oh. and we had 800 tickets sold oh my god yeah we did and so we thought, what are we going to do? If it rains, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? Yeah, so yeah. we decided we got a student from York University with the camera. We don't know if he had film in it, but he was interviewing people. <laughs> and we had Ezra, who was um, yep. like Lesmer. Um, yep. And he was playing. And we handed out strawberries in the lineup. Nobody knew we were late. Everything went well. And we, we gave out all the, the strawberries and the music and everything. And everybody had a great evening. Wow. And the next day when we came to the theater, two hours before the film, there was a lineup. The two of us stood up against the wall. We were laughing so hard <laughs> because it, it just, you know, wow. the Cineplexes were not playing Jewish content films in those days. Right, right, right. But to take that kind of leap, like, I, I don't know, I don't know where you have that kind of faith. <laughs> and like, I know you love, I know you love films, like, that's clear. Yeah, it wasn't my money. It was the foundation's money. Right, but still, so, you, you have a responsibility to. Absolutely, but I thought, it's worth a shot. I, I mean, mean, the question of what's the worst that can happen, the worst that happens is you lose all that money. But it wasn't so much money because, uh, I had a couple, of, oh, we had a couple of uh, patrons. Uh, oh, that's a funny story with the patrons. <laughs> I have time for it. I have time. The night uh, we're getting ready to go, and one of my friends, because it was all run by women, the first board had three women on yeah. it, and the volunteers were all women. Was that by choice, or was that just by luck? That's the way it happened. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. So, uh, And one of them comes to me, Carol, and she says, oh, uh, so we, we had put away the front row of the balcony for our patrons because they needed, you know, a good place to sit, I guess. She comes down, she says, Helen, the stuffing is coming out of the chairs in the first row. And, I, and our patrons are supposed to be sitting there. So what are we going to do? She went to Honest Ed's yeah. and she bought dish towels yeah. and safety pins and she pinned the dish towels to the seats Oh for our patrons so our patrons started coming in and we didn't have many of them really and we said oh we saved you the front row of the balance said, i don't want to sit there you want to sit down here yes yeah. so, uh, but but she still talks about the, the oh my the, gosh pins, the the pins and the so innovate what do you think what do you think um happened to your board to your group when you started out because it was just women do you think that was like a key to success 
be because they were women who didn't have extra jobs out of the house. So they committed. They focused on it. I, I just needed, because what happened with uh, CRA, they said to me, I could do, our foundation could do it for one year. But after that, we had to spin it off into its own charity. So to spin it off, I needed a board. So my lawyer was very smart. He said, you're to take a board, pick a board that says, yes, your majesty. Because okay. you don't want to be with a board that's going to question everything you do. So I picked two of my closest friends. There were three of us on the board. And they said, yes, your majesty, when, when we wanted to do what we wanted to do. And every year, has it just grown? Or was there ever a year yeah. that you're like, Oh, like it's on tender hooks a little bit. No, no, no. Every year we, we started, we were uh, five days at the floor uh, with 30, 32 films or something. And we landed up last year. We were in six venues for 11 days. It kept growing and growing and growing. You must just marvel. You marvel. Oh, at this you know what? It's, it's magic. Every, every uh, opening night, when I stand in the theater and the lights go down, it's still magic. Yeah. It's absolutely magic. But we also branched out our program. Like we were, the big discussion we always had in the office is what's a Jewish film? Sure. Right? Yeah. Do, do they have to have, do the men have to have the payas and the hats? Right. Is that the only, how do you define a Jewish film? Yeah. And that was always the argument. And we sort of, I think, stretched the boundary. See, we weren't attached to traditional Jewish organizations. A lot of the small Jewish film festivals um, are in synagogues mm -hmm. or JCCs or something. So they have to be careful not to offend their board members right. or the members. We didn't have that. We could offend whoever we wanted to. And we didn't really care if we did offend them. Right. So. Um, like you were putting the movie first. You were putting the quality of the movie the quality, first. It had to be a good film and, mm -hmm. and controversial. Fine. Come and talk to the filmmaker. So. Um, as our program expanded, we, we attracted people who were not, listen, Toronto was a very conservative city. The Jews were very conservative. I moved here in 1969 or something. The Jews were very conservative here. We expanded their horizons. And what happened was we attracted a lot of people who were peripherally Jewish. Like they didn't go to synagogue and all the rest of it. They're culturally Jewish. The first time we did, um, uh, a survey, about 60% of the people that answered said that that was the only thing Jewish they did a whole year. And I felt bad for that. Mm. That, you know, that, that this was all the community could offer them. Right, right, right. So we, we attracted a lot of peripheral people who, who uh, or people who are not Jewish. And um, so, so we kept expanding our program. And we did a program once called Rhythm and Jews which was about music and the black community and the Jews who were the first people that attracted, uh, that played, that stayed on stage with black musicians. And yeah. we had people of every size and shape and color that came. Yeah. yeah so you opened it up enough for right. everybody to feel like it's for, for yeah. everybody. Like I never saw the film festival as primarily, for, I just thought it was good quality films. Yeah. Well, it was, that's interesting because um, we did a, um, um, a group once, a marketing group, where we interviewed people who were not Jewish in their 30s and 40s to ask them about their concept of, of a Jewish film festival. And we asked them if they thought it was a religious festival or a cultural festival. 
Oh, and some great people, question. Yeah, some of them thought it was a religious festival, but as soon as they looked at our material, they realized it was not. Right. And so, so that's a concept that, that we have to sort of, we had to beat. Yeah, it feels like you need to, I mean, it doesn't feel like you rest on your last season. No, 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 no. So it needs to like constantly be reinventing it or looking at it and how to make it more accessible. Was there a turning point in the last 28 years that you're like, okay, we got to dig deep and really, you know, spin it on its head? Well, when we went on to expand our festival and this Rhythm and Juice thing, and then the next year we did something comedy, uh, comedy in Canada. Mm -hmm. And as we did your thing, it was hard to find uh, Canadian female comedians. Right. It was hard for Stewart to find them. There was the Joan Rivers and Tony Fields, but they were from in the sixties. Right. They were, they were Jewish. I was States. Yeah. They're Jewish, but they were from the, you know, we were looking for Canadian stuff. And that's, so, and that's the other thing we've done. Like Stewart has done. He loves archival stuff. Yeah. So Stuart has is it, like, that's his jam. A hundred percent. So this year we've got, uh, we've got, a, um, uh, Earl Pom Pomerantz passed away this past year. So mm -hmm. we're doing a film for him. And, um, uh, and that it, it's kind of interesting because three or four years ago, we did a thing on the Wayne and Schuster. Yes. I remember that. We, people kept showing up and young people who were kind of interested in, in uh, the history of Wayne and Schuster. So we were always looking for that kind of archival stuff. The CBC in the sixties did incredible stuff that had yeah. Jewish content in it. They were far ahead of their time. So Stuart, you know, finds them and puts them out. Yeah. Have you noticed that you have, like, what's been the key to making it accessible? I think our marketing, some of our marketing stuff, I don't yeah. know, five or six years ago, we did something called um, Discover Your Inner Jew. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, people still remember that. And That's I remember great. when the guy showed up at our, we always get pro bono stuff and he shows up into my office and he's got three, um, he interviewed me and then talked about what I do about the festival, what I want and all the rest of it. And he shows up, and he, I could, and he was the guy that did uh, I Am Canadian, you know, the beer oh, thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Douglas. No, Glenn Hunt. Oh, but Jeff Douglas did the, oh, he did, he created it. Oh, okay. So he showed, so he, he, somebody set us up with him and he came to my office and we talked with me and a couple of the other people and uh, he went away. And then he came back two weeks later and I could tell this was this big shot guy, but he was really nervous. He sits down and he unveils it this discover your inner Jew and I fall off my chair laughing. I'm laughing so hard. It's fantastic. Because it was fantastic. So by going out with very untraditional stuff, uh, we've attracted some negatives, some positives. You know, some people were annoyed with the uh, discover your inner Jew. What's your inner Jew? I don't know. That's for you to decide what's your inner Jew. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But so, it doesn't seem like you, you wor you're worried about it uh, offending people. No, I don't. If it's a good film and it's a, and it's worth talking about, yeah. I always think it's a discussion. But even yeah. through marketing and things like that, you seem like you're pushing boundaries. Yeah. Was there ever a time that you pushed a boundary that was not necessarily a mistake, but you learned something from it? Yes, <laughs> there was. Because we heard from our people about it. Because the one thing about our audience, I want to tell you, they are terrific. Yeah. But they, they're they not quiet. Yeah. No, they're not 
You hold back. I think also you put yourself out there, Helen. Like you're yeah. such a vivacious person that nobody, uh, you're, you're very approachable. So it probably is yeah. Yeah, yeah. to your no, detriment no, sometimes. No. I don't want to tell you this, but I will. Okay. Yeah. Now, because you know what? And I, but they're coming from a good place. I think yeah. if you take the they time, care, they care about it. And on sometimes we wish they didn't care so much, but they do. And, and, I, and I try not to be judgmental. I say, well, that's unfortunate that you feel like that, that way. But I think it was an important film and you need to talk to the filmmaker. Most of the time is people don't want to be shaken off their beliefs, especially with the Middle East. And if you shake their, what they believe in, what are they going to replace it with? Yeah. So, that's so, I mean, that's, that's a really big statement across the board with anything. Like w- when we have a belief in something, if you shake it, then I go, then where do I go? That's I not go? just with your religious beliefs. That's, that's so right. much. So that's what they're, they're, a lot of people, that's what their fear is. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. If that's not true, if you're showing me that's not true. What is true oh that's huge yeah so you've been dealing with that yeah well I deal with that in my life and you deal with it in your life yeah well when things happen things happen you say oh okay that didn't work out (laughs) so what was the big lesson that you learned from that from one of those experiences of somebody challenging your methods you know what I learned something new about that person Mm. that um that we had, what happened was we, a young group came to us. They wanted to um, show a particular film that we had seen because they wanted their young group to see, well, young, I think in their 20s and 30s. And um, he said, and I met with them and they were a pretty traditional group, I thought. And he said, you know what, I want to, uh, I want to see the film before we show it again. I said, he says, oh, he said, I want to show the, the film to my committee. I hate that word committee. Because when you have a committee, five people, you have six opinions. Seven. So I said, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You've chosen the film. You saw it. I think you should show it. No, he's committed. I said, okay, what can I do? So I uh, made the film available to him. And my phone rings at 11.15 one night because they were going to do a big thing. And he says, my uh, group, my committee uh, said no. I said, oh, why? And he told me it was a small scene in the film. Uh, I don't even remember what the scene was. I said, you know, I'm not troubled by the fact that your committee decided they didn't want to do this film. What I'm troubled is that they didn't even want to come and talk to the filmmaker Mm. about the film. Mm -hmm. That's what troubles me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to be educated. I just want to say no. Yeah, don't tell me. I just don't want to say no because that's that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. And he and I said that really disturbs me because you're young people and you should be looking for an opportunity to challenge and to say. So they they didn't. So that's um, and I learned that not everybody is as uh, welcoming to alternative opinions as. Mm my group is it's not just me I mean people that I work with Mm -hmm. so um it's all you know you learn something every day (laughs) yeah you really do I mean it feels I'm sure people describe you as this but you're you're fearless 
Like it feels like you're a very fearless person. Is there anything about not only the festival, but like, is there anything that, that scares you that you step into with trepidation? Yeah, sometimes uh, scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> what scares me, you know what? Hmm. I just say that because I think people see you in your position, you're established, you're confident. And I think it's really important that we all recognize that we're all, we're all figuring this out, you know? It's not always easy. Yeah. When they, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I, this sounds funny, but I'm pretty much of a loner. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That I'm really here. surprises me. I know it surprises a lot of people except for my kids. Um, I like, during the festival, I'm on all the time. I'm yeah. happy to talk to everybody. And then the joke in the family is two days after, don't talk to mom. Right. So, so I'm, um, I'm an opposite. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody's got an opposite in Yeah. So I may be vivacious and come across as being a certain way, but there's an opposite in me. Yeah. And, um, I'm a little like that too, that I, I'm very social, but then I, I yeah. really need my own time. Somebody called yeah. that. It's not, um, extrovert or introvert. It's ambivert. That's right. That's right. Cause I, you need both, right? You need to be able to be social and I need to feed that social butterfly within me. And there are times that I look at people and I think, I can't believe you really believe that. that like what? Being flat. Oh, like things that they've said, their opinions, you mean? They say, and sometimes they say things that are so rude, you know, yeah. it's about other I people. Know. That it it's shocking, people. but it's all just fear, right? Like it's just people it's, speaking from a place of fear or pain and... I guess, yeah. but it still doesn't belittle what how it affects the world. I don't. I agree it, with you. you. You know, I learned a very. Oh, this is too long a story to tell you. I learned. A, I have time for all of your stories, all of them. About twenty five years ago, I was involved with a group called the National Coalition Building Institute, and what it did was people from different backgrounds came together and learned about each other and talked about respect and tolerance. Blah blah blah. They had a conference one weekend, and I went to the conference, and on the Sunday, the last, and I sometimes get emotional when I talk about this guy, the last uh, session was, how can two people from differing parts of the world come together and understand each other? And there were two people participating. One was a man who looked like he was like, I think he was from South Carolina or North Carolina, you know, with the steely blonde uh, gray hair and the blue eyes and the stuff. He probably would carry a gun today. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And his, he was coming from Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life. And if, and if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're, you're nothing. And the other, the woman who was going opposite him was an indigenous woman. And she talked about Jesus Christ being a blight on whatever. So you already don't like him because of what he looks like and what he and he's got a southern accent to, to top it all off. And then I hate this guy. He's, it just you know, wasn't your style. No, and, and not just me. I mean the, the the group. And he starts telling the story. He says, "When I was a kid, my parents were alcoholics, and on Sunday." my grandmother used to come and take me to church. And my grandmother said to me one day, even when I'm gone, you're never going to walk alone. Jesus Christ will walk with you. <clears throat> Sorry. 
And that's why he believed what he believed, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. already you're thinking, hmm, this guy's got a heavy load, you know? Then she starts to speak and she says, when she was growing up, there were the residential schools. They used to come and they used to take them away in the name of Jesus Christ or whatever. And she said it was a blight. They were tortured and taken from their homes. So you see where each of them are coming from. And you think, you know, I understand why they're saying what they're saying. So now I try not to, um, that had such a powerful, like I still cry about it. When I talk about it, it still moves me. I try not to make assumptions about people because you don't know their history. You don't know what happened to them an hour before they're saying something rude or disgusting. No. The day before, the, you, you don't know. And you gotta give each other some space. So that's what I want when people come to see something controversial or something that they wouldn't uh, normally go and see. That's what I want of them. It's not fair of me to want anything from them. They're just coming to a movie. But that's why we do, I do. Uh, you know, and we do what we do. Just have a look. There was one year we did Beyond Bathurst Street was our um, motto. Mm -hmm. The Jewish world exists all over the world. There are Jews everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we practice our religion differently, but we are all people. And family stories about Jews are about Greek families and Italian families. Mm -hmm. And we all have the same want. We all want to just live. And that's what I want people to see, that there are people that, that have to struggle. Mm -hmm. but, but basically, we're all flesh and blood, and we're all the same, and we all want the same things. We mm -hmm. want a better life for our kids. We want a better life for us. So that's, that's what they but that makes me happy when we have our program and I see certain people are coming to see certain things. And, um, and I just hope that they saw something that they didn't know before. Yeah. Where, you know? where do you learn that level of empathy from? I don't know. I were, your, guess... were your parents very empathetic? Your husband? My husband, well, my husband uh, passed away. He was very young when he died. So what How long happened... were you married for? 22 years that's and he died yeah. and and so but but we knew for the 11 years before he died he was in good health but we knew he was living on borrowed time so what that did was it made our lives a little yeah. more rich because yes. we didn't we didn't sweat the small stuff and you know and uh and we just you know we just lived the way we lived and um so I guess I learned not to, there are things that are important. One, one we, we had a screening once, um, there was a, a, the projector broke and we had a, um, a problem with the projector in the theater. And a very, very old friend that I knew from the time I lived in Montreal said to me, you, you're not hysterical. You, you know, I know what to get hysterical about and a film is not it. Right. <laughs> and, you sort of have your priorities. It doesn't mean I don't worry and I don't, uh, you know, worry about stuff. And, but I don't get hysterical. There's nothing you can do when you're hysterical anyway. Right. So, Why bother? 
there's no bother. There's no point. Um, my parents were really great parents. They really were. My father was a hero, my hero. My mother was. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an amazing thing that you're teaching and you don't even, I mean, you're teaching it in such an interesting way through your festival, which, which of course you are, but it seems like such a, a business running in a festival and yet you're doing it with such heart that it has to reverberate into people's oh, hearts. We have so much fun. Yeah. I mean, we really work hard, but we have so many laughs at the festival because the people that come love us, we know yeah. that. And, and uh, we just, you know, uh, one of them said, when I walk in, because we're all, one of us is on every venue. And one of them said, when I come here, I think I'm coming into your living room. I said, well, that's oh, great. That's that perfect. Room. Yeah. And, and what people appreciate is that a face, one of our faces is everywhere. And yeah. it's just, you know, it's just the way we like to do it. Yeah. Do you have um, something in the, in your sites that you haven't done yet with the festival that you're like, oh, in a couple of years, we got to do this. I don't know. I what I'd like to do is do it, you know, Canada wide. But but next year, hopefully, well, next year we couldn't do if if things are back to normal and we're in a theater, we could do the theater and do online for Northern Ontario. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, we don't. Things happen sometimes. We get a film of some sort and we say, "Ooh, that could make us do." x oh yeah. do x y you know um so i don't know it's a good question you're asking me all these good questions I, I mean i'm excited for you because i feel like the world's your oyster i don't think a lot scares you i think you're up to take a challenge and take a risk and i think it's a great place for a festival to be you know what where what's the worst that will happen is you know yeah What's who, the worst that will happen? Who have been your cheerleaders along the way? Who have said, like, this is good, keep going? Um, well, my late, my late husband was terrific at that. Yeah. He was free. Yeah, he was very supportive of everything, even crazy things that I wanted to do. My, my like kids, what, what was the thing that you, that you thought was crazy that he was like, go for it, Helen? Oh, we bought this house. <laughs> Um, he became very successful in the, the last 10 years of his life. And we bought this house. I had just finished going to school because I didn't get to university until I was in my 30s. And I went to, uh, to Seneca College. I became a, um, a social service worker. Um, and then I finished. You know. So we bought this house that needed a lot of work. So he said to me, you doing anything this summer? I said, uh, no. He says, you want to be the contractor? I said, sure. So a year and a half later, it took us a year and a half to do this house. I had the best time. And he was always very proud of what I did until a light switch landed up behind the door. But, that was <laughs> but he was always, because I, and, and then once I started, I decided I was going to do a, a ceramic uh, line of uh, dishes and stuff. And he came to, um, uh, a trade show with me and he put up the shelves and all the rest of it. And then we found out that I had had an exclusive deal with one company who gave the exclusive deal to three other people at that show. <laughs> but, so he was, and he was always very proud of what I did. And, wow. and uh, he was my father. My father thought I was the best. I was the third child, the third right. daughter. And my other two sisters were a lot older than I was. So I guess he realized he wasn't going to have a son. So he taught me how to do 
fix the stuff and everything. No kidding. All the, all the boy yeah, stuff in those all days. The boy stuff. And he used to take me long before there was uh, fathers hanging out with their kids. He used to take me on Sundays. There was an airport like Buttonville outside of Montreal called Carcherville Airport. And every Sunday we used to take the streetcar and he would take me out to the airport to see the planes that were going. Wow. And he, he wow. was, yeah, he was, he was great. He was um, great. That's, I mean, it's amazing to have that kind of support growing. And he, he was a factory worker, right? Yeah, he was, a, a, my mother was also, my mother worked in the sewed dresses in the dress factory, peace wow. work. Yeah. And no, she, um, I used to help her counter tickets every week. Cause you know, you get, you get a bundle, you know how it works? No, nope. no. Nope. You get a bundle of, let's say sleeves. Okay. And, and the sleeves come with a coupon and you sew all the sleeves and then you pass it to the next person who goes. Oh, okay. Like, yep. Yeah. And you collect the tickets. And I would, uh, on the weekend, I would, uh, help her count up her tickets. And in those days, in the fifties, she was making $150 a week which the equivalent is, I looked it up the other day, is $1,500. Wow. She would, and her boss, Benny, so that, yeah. would ask her to not put in all her tickets every week because he couldn't afford, couldn't afford it. That's right. Wow. But that's so, that must have been so monumental to see somebody like that making her own wages. Like, that's huge. Yeah, and she would be singing when I'd come to meet her after work to go to shopping. She yeah. would be singing. She was, uh, she was, um, she did what she had to do. To yeah. yeah. And my father too. So, and my father I was- I feel like you are too. I feel like you're doing what you have to do and adapting and yeah. um, I'm going to wrap it up with a couple of rapid fire questions. And when I say rapid fire, take your okay. time. There's no hurry. Uh, there's absolutely no hurry. Uh, what are two words to describe you right now? Me? Right now? Yeah. Long haired. <laughs> um, Oh, I'm cooking. Now I'm, I'm baking and cooking. Yeah, Love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love it. If your life was a movie and this was the final scene talking to you, what would be the climax of your life so far? <sighs> Sitting with my children and grandchildren and my dog and my sisters, just the whole caboodle, the whole kitten caboodle on the back stairs of my porch in my country place. Having, well, we do that. We do that a couple of times during the summer, and we have a barbecue, and, and we play mahjong supposedly. Oh, mahjong! I don't know how to play. I, <laughs> I just sit there with my finger under a card, and we play, and we eat, and we have a really great extended family. Yeah, I can picture it. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you were going to write a book, what would it be about? Oh, my life—the fun, the ups, and the fun and games of life and how you can't take too, stuff too seriously because it works out the way it works out. Yeah. And I always say to my sister, one of my sisters who always remembers me saying this, I said, you land up where you belong. I love that. I love that a lot. We do. Yeah. Um, when you know you have to spring into action about something, when there's a task at hand, what's the first thing that you do? I sit down and try to break it into smaller pieces. What like should that. I do first? Mm -hmm. What's the first thing I need to do? And then slow, you know, Ram Das. I don't know if you ever remember Ram Das. No. He was a guru. He just passed away. He was really interesting. He said once, 
because he had packed days, so like much heavier, heavily packed than, than mine. And he said, I get up in the morning and I look at my book and I look at the first thing I have to do and I do it. And then when I finish that, I come back and I look at what the second thing I have to do. Mm -hmm. and I do that. And I thought, that's so easy. <laughs> I mean, it's easy unless the first two things are clean the oven and do your taxes. <laughs> and then I'm, I might take a break right off the top. Yeah, and that used to be the bane of my existence. Oh, who wants to do that kind of stuff? <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right, my final question, because I could talk to you forever, Helen. My final question is, what advice would you have given your younger self? I would have said what I said to you. Things will go the way they go. And just try to be with it. Stay with it. Because... Just what I said to you, things go the way they go. You can bang your head against the wall and try to make it work a certain way and it, it ain't gonna do it. And you just have to have patience and watch it. N not to say don't do anything, do whatever it is you have to do, you can mm -hmm. do, and then you just need to go and watch, and watch it, mm -hmm. watch it unfold. I think you're a remarkable human being. That's the kind of thing I really needed to hear today. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I you're think welcome. you're incredible. And I just can't wait to see what happens next in the festival. I can't wait to see how the online festival goes. I can't oh, wait God. to just watch you. I think you're just such a unique person in our community. We're real lucky to have you. Know you know what Papa used to say? I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he used to say. Um, you have a bunch of t-shirts, obviously, that you need to make with all the different Helen sayings. Oh, God. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway, thank you. Thank nice you. Talk. Thank you. I so appreciate <laughs> your time. listening to me. I sort of didn't stop talking. That's what this is for. What are you talking about? It's all about you. And I'm thrilled to get to know you. I'm thrilled to share your story with people. And uh, I just think you're doing remarkable things in our community. And there you go. You fell in love, didn't you? I know you did, because I did. You just fall deeply in love with Helen, and at the end, you just want to say, please adopt me. What do I have to do? I'll do it. And now don't forget to go over to tjff.com and get your virtual cinema tickets right now. They have such an amazing variety of programming, like Hila Medalia's documentary, Trans Kids, which follows four Israeli teenagers over four years undergoing gender transformation. Also, Nicola Alice Hens' Chichenette, The Accidental Spy, which follows the real-life story of 98-year-old Martha Cohen, who was recruited by the French army to gather intelligence from inside Germany. Or, of course, the opening night film, The End of Love, directed by Karen Van Raphael. Honestly, you can just go through all the different films and uh, look at their Instagram, at TJFFGrams, and you'll just no doubt find a film that sparks your interest, that you glom onto, and that you're inspired by. Trust me. Plus, they and we know money's tight for a lot of people at the moment. So with the TJFF Give Back initiative, a portion of all the proceeds of each ticket goes to the Stop Community Food Center at Maison Canada. They just have such an amazing charitable attitude and so many female directors. Check that list out. There are different stories from all over the world, uh, many of which have never even been told. So it's just, I mean, can you tell? I'm jazzed. It's a spectacular event. Thank you so much, Helen, for taking the time to chat with me. And I would love all the firecrackers out there to have a scroll, tell me what you see, give me some feedback. I would love to uh, hear all the different films that you fall in love with. Thank you so much.
I just want to let you know that there is something for everyone within the firecracker department. And if you're not already part of our firecracker members group over on Facebook, why not? You should be. It's super fun. And it sort of is our central hub for connecting with each other. It's kind of like what I say is, these are your people. Come and find us. This is where you'll hear about what's going on in all the departments and also meet some fabulous firecracker people from all over the world. So get in on that action. Mondays are FDTV. That's Firecracker Department Television. The after show comes out on Thursdays during the day. And then in the evening, we have a writing group that meets on Thursday. So you can be part of that as well. Come one, come all. And then Sundays, we do a community brunch on Zoom so everybody can come meet some of your people, hang out, and then pop over to our wellness department for an amazing meditation live on Instagram and Facebook. So I'm telling you, we're busy and there's something for you. There's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. You just have to pull up a chair because really we've been waiting for you. So come on in and join the community. Stay in the loop and subscribe to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. I'm really glad you're here. Big, huge, massive, gigantic, big hearted thank you to the whole firecracker team. Oh my gosh, everyone who are in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, and all the way over in the UK. And we've got some firecrackers that are humming over in New York or hoping to start a chapter over there as well. Thank you to the core members that really make everything work. They're incredible, incredible people. Remember the after show for this episode comes out on Thursday and you'll be able to meet a couple of the core members through that. And then we're gonna do a whole new episode on Tuesdays. Yeah, we don't stop. Because we know that this stuff is important. It gives folks platforms for your voices, for your stories. And thanks to you for taking the time to listen. Because you know what? There's a lot of options out there. And there's a lot of information. So we're really thrilled that you chose us. Let us know what you're working on. Let us know how we can help. Because I always say, we're one better if you're here. I'm Naomi. And we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department. Bye. Bye.